Is that your prayer? Is that your passion? It's from Psalm 2, you know. It's actually God's passion. He says, ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. And of course, we learned last week from David Cassidy that it's uh, the triune discussion of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit talking about reaching the nations with the gospel. And that's to become our passion as well. So turn in your Bibles to Psalm 67. Uh, and very amazing song, uh, psalm and song. Uh, it's called a missions psalm by most commentators and scholars. I don't know what you heard last week from David Cassidy, but I learned a number of things. I, I learned, of course, that... Uh, the world is 25,000 miles in diameter. That's how big our world is. That's our, our mission field. Uh, I learned again and afresh, and I needed to be reminded of this, that we tend to think, especially when we look at circumstances that we're aware of through the news, uh, it's very easy for us to think, oh my goodness, the end times are near. That's not necessarily true at all. It could be thousands and thousands of years. And if it is, I got some good news to share with you in a moment. But then I also learned what TMZ was. I've always wondered what that show was. You know, it's on twice a day here in Birmingham. It's on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It's on at 1035. Now, I sometimes see it come on at 1035 because I watch the news before I, I go to bed. But I've, I've never known what it was. And... You know, I'm so glad we brought David Cassidy in last week because now I know that it means the 30-mile zone. It's talking about the 30 miles around Hollywood, and it's a show about all that happens in that 30-mile zone, all of the interesting little factoids about what's happening to actors and actresses and athletes and other famous people around L.A. But as David was sharing last week, I thought of another meaning for TMZ. I thought about the mission zone. How big is our world? How big is our TMZ, the mission zone? It's 25,000 miles. It's 192 million square miles of land mass. But there's not one square inch where Jesus doesn't lay a stake and say, this is mine. And that is the sign size of our mission zone. But, but that's just landmass. In a sense, we're not out there to save dirt, right? Christ came to save and rescue and restore people. Now, there's a website that I often go to. It's called Worldometer. I want to put it up on the screen. If you've never done this, I encourage you to maybe uh, check it out. But it's, it's usually a rolling number of, uh, of what's happening. But, but as you look at that snapshot right there, what jumps out at you? Just think in your own head what you notice. Uh, first of all, notice 7.85 billion people in the world. Do you realize that from the creation of Adam, uh, now it's working, the, from the creation of Adam until 1900, there were a total 
through all those years of only a billion people on planet Earth. And now since 1900, look, now we're approaching almost 8 billion. You know what that means? That means that most of the people who have ever lived since creation are alive now. Think about that. And if God were to send his spirit and through the church raise up a massive missionary grouping, we could reach so many people as a percentage of those who've ever lived. Notice deaths today. It's at 77,000. It was at 50,000 at 8.15. Do you wonder where are those people? As they passed on to eternity today? Did they know the Lord? Did they pass into a Christless hell? And then notice down in the bottom right, population growth. This year. Okay, so this is March 7th. That's two months and one week. So in around two months, population growth this year has been the size of metropolitan New York City. That's like a New York City metro area has come down from the clouds in two months and has been placed on planet Earth. And it's going to happen six more times this year. Six New York City metro areas. Who's going to reach those people? We are. Or they won't be reached. It's so important that we affirm what Scripture teaches. There is no second chance. Like, this isn't a test run. And then when, you know, somehow there's another opportunity. There, there isn't. This is it. For those 77,000 today, it's it. They either died knowing Christ or they died didn't know knowing Christ. And their eternity is cemented. All through Scripture, we see that God has a passion for the nations. God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Scripture teaches that his wrath is his strange work. God desires all nations to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so what is our role? I mean, when it comes to global evangelization, there are only three roles. Everybody prays. That's what we're called to do. Everybody prays. All of us can give. Some of us can go. But when it comes to global missions, those are the three action points of reaching the nations. Jesus said in one of our readings from this past week in our devotional, the gospel must be proclaimed 
to all the nations. Our mission as a church is engaging every neighbor with the surprising power of grace. Who's our neighbor? The person over the fence of our backyard? The person over the mountain into the city of Birmingham? The person over the pew? Right, left, behind, before. They may not know Christ, but, but also at Oak Mountain, we believe the gospel isn't merely the message the unbeliever needs to hear. It's also the message the believer most needs to hear in order to grow. And then, of course, overseas. That's our mission. And we have values. Grace-driven, relational authentic, kingdom-oriented. And we have Metrics, what we think are measures of a growing disciple. And through our missions team, we are able to find ministry partners over the face of the earth who agree with us in our mission and vision and values and measures. And we are committed to supporting holistic church planting movements because that's how the world's going to be reached through the church. And then one of our measures is surprising generosity. If we're growing as a disciple, we are going to be growing in surprising generosity, and that generosity includes global generosity. God using us to reach the nations. Psalm 67 is a missions psalm. And it's a missions psalm that reveals God's heart to us for the nations and then calls us to reach the nations and to be engaged in that as well. So let's all stand out of reverence for God's word and follow along as I read Psalm 67, the TMZ, the mission zone of Oak Mountain. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a song, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth Fear him. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us. And he wants us and longs for us to love the nations like he does. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would burden our hearts for a metro New York City area that has been 
born into this world in the past two months. God, we pray that we would have a passion for peoples and tongues and tribes on islands and other unreached places on the planet. And Holy Spirit, only you can do that work in us. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So three elements of the Christian life that call us to global generosity. Again, I said earlier, there's a sense in which generosity doesn't even begin until we've given God his tithe. That's just obedience. So generosity really begins when we give above the tithe. That's where it's a free will offering. Something that God doesn't demand, but he calls us to. Global generosity. First of all, let worship call you to global generosity. When it comes to the Psalms in places like Russia or other nations, or particularly the Hebrew of the Old Testament, verse 1 isn't really verse 1 in this psalm. There is a verse 0. There's there's actually a verse 0 in many, many psalms. You see the superscription there on Psalm 67? To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. That is every bit as inspired as the red letter words of Jesus. There's no difference. So we learn here that God has inspired Christian worship Christian singing to magnify his heart for the nations so that even in the context of worship, we would be reminded, oh yeah, God, you're not American. Oh yeah, God, you're not primarily an English speaker. Oh yeah, it's a big world that's called to worship you. See, sometimes in, in and during worship on Sunday mornings, the world becomes its smallest in our perspective. We come in on Sunday morning, we're feeling needy, which that's great. That's a great way to come to worship. But as a result of feeling needy in our own lives or in our family, we, 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 we have a world that's about the size of our seat. And it's easy for the world to shrink during worship. This superscription reminds us that God inspires songs of praise and worship that explode the boxes of our own tiny worlds to show us the largeness and greatness of the world. And 7.85 billion people on 192 million square miles of land. God has actually built missions 
into the worship of the church. Many of us who grew up in church, uh, we sang those hymns, those missionary hymns, those hymns that call us to global evangelization. That's very biblical. It's what's done here in Psalm 67. And so worship hymns that point us to missions should be part of our worship. That the nations Throughout this psalm, the nations, the peoples, the ends of the earth becomes our understanding of God's heart. We sang that hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. What does that mean to you? Well, it should mean, Oh, God, for a thousand tongues to be given to me, for a thousand languages to be given to me, that I might praise you in every language under heaven, because all of the languages of the world, if I could speak them, would not give to you the glory and the honor and the praise and the blessing that I long to give you. So full is my heart. But it also means something else. Oh, God! For a thousand tongues of the nations to be with us right now. And singing in different language as a foretaste of what is to come. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, for a thousand tongues in this place. A thousand languages and nations singing alongside of us in worship. Listen, we talked earlier about people who have died so far today and whether they've gone into a Christless eternity. That, that is one motivation for missions. But I'm going to shock you here. That is nowhere near the highest motivation for reaching the world. The highest motivation for reaching the world is that God, our Father, might be worshipped along with His Son and the Holy Spirit. There is no higher motivation for global generosity to reach the nations than the glory of God. Any other motivation will fail you. There'll be some nations you just don't like. There'll be some nations that'll be our enemies. There'll be some mornings you're so consumed with yourself you don't really care what happens to the world. But the glory of God, it's always our highest aim. Our catechism, what is the chief end of humanity? The chief end of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Oh, that we had a love for God, the Trinitarian God, that we would say, God, I want to see you worshipped so deeply and richly that I want to reach the nations so that you would receive more praise. 
God is most delighted when Christ is most worshipped. God the Father is most delighted when God the Son is most worshipped. And God the Spirit is most delighted when God the Son is most worshipped. Piper, missions exists because worship does not. What's your motivation for reaching the world? As, as good as it is to want to see people ushered into heaven, that is not the highest motivation. The highest motivation is the praise of God. How do I know that? Because that's what this whole psalm teaches. This whole psalm is focused on the nations praising God, on the nations singing for joy, on the nations worshiping God. Look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. He repeats it in verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Worship of God is the motivation of missions. Now look, there's also this Hebrew word in verse 1 and verse 4 that I, that I read. Uh, it's pronounced Selah or Selah. That's as inspired as the superscription. It's, it's a musical exclamation point. It's a musical instruction. It means allow the singing and the instrumentation to come to a crescendo, a crashing loudness, and then have it stop for a moment. And that climax brings us to a place of reflection where we cry out afresh, oh God, let it be so. So after verse 1, verse 1 is a blessing. It comes to a crescendo in the music and the singing. And then there's a pause. Oh God, that you'd bless us. Why? Verse 2, that your name may be known in the earth. And then there's another one after verse 4. Verse 4 says, let the nations be glad, let them sing for joy. In other words, let them worship. Oh God, let it be so. Pause. Reflect. Let it happen. I've been privileged to experience some of what this psalm talks about. Or what O for a thousand tongues sings about. I've worshipped in congregations singing in Russian. I've worshipped in congregations singing in Japanese. I've worshipped in congregations singing in Lugandan, which is the main language of Uganda. I've worshipped in congregations that were singing in Malay, Malaysia. I've worshipped in congregations that were singing in Thai, Thailand. I've worshipped in congregations where they were singing in Hindi, India. I've worshipped in congregations that were singing in Arabic in Lebanon. I've worshipped in congregations singing Romanian and Hungarian and Greek and Czech. And let me tell you, there's nothing like it. One of the reasons I can't wait for the pandemic to be over is so that we can begin short-term mission trips again. Nothing will change your life like standing shoulder to shoulder with something worshiping God in a language different than yours. It blows the door off our view of the world. 
and we realize it's not the end times if America goes down the tubes. I don't want it to happen, but it's not necessarily the end times. Did the world come to an end when Rome ended? That's been 1,500 years. What if America is out of the picture 1,500 years from now and everything's going according to plan? The nation's worship is what calls us to generosity. Then secondly, let worship call you, let grace call you to global generosity. Verse 1 is the benediction. Now, usually I do the benediction at the end of a service. But the benediction here is at the beginning of the psalm. And this benediction is right from Numbers chapter 6. The Aaronic blessing. Aaron and his sons pronounced the blessing. And God said, oh yes, when the blessing is pronounced, I will indeed bless. So look at verse 1. May God be gracious to us. There's that grace that calls us to global generosity. And bless us and make his face shine upon us. Why? This is so key. When you think of the benediction, when you think of the blessing, when we sang that incredible song today called The Blessing that Jason didn't like. Man, do I want to talk to him when this is over. No, that that beautiful song. Why? Why are we asking God to bless us and our families and our children and their children and their children? Why? To reach the nations. That's what the psalm says. Look, read it with me. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. Blessing and grace is never an end in itself. It's always a means to a greater end. How many times have we talked about in this church, grace is for you. Rejoice. But grace is not about you. See the difference there? Grace is for you. It's not about you. Grace is for you. Blessing is for you. So that... God would bless the nations through you. Genesis 12. Abraham is called out of Ur. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. The more confident and restful we are in God's grace, the more secure we are in his love, the less the things of this world will mean to us. The world looks for relief, security, significance through the stuff of this world. But as the Christian is more comfortable in God's grace, His unconditional love, His his unmerited favor, then we are freed from the things the world goes after so that the blessing with which God blesses us is passed on to the nations. That your saving power, verse 2, would be known among the nations. You know what that Hebrew is for saving power or salvation, depending on your translation? Yeshua. You know what Yeshua is? Joshua. Joshua is Hebrew. You know what the Greek of Joshua is? Jesus. We have grace pronounced over us that Jesus, 
might be believed upon in the world. At Oak Mountain, we use a tool that we use to diagnose uh, where we are in the growth in grace. We call it the gospel pipeline or the grace pipeline. And, and it's simply a tool. It's, it's just a, a diagnostic illustration to sort of enable us to see how we're growing in grace. So the beginning of the gospel pipeline, the entry point is what? The gospel, hence the gospel pipeline, right? And what's the gospel? It's the message of God's unconditional love that is offered to us through the finished work of Christ, his obedient life, his substitutionary death. And when we put our hope and trust in Christ, we experience the reality of God's grace in us. That we're brought into living union with Christ. Everything that's true of Christ is declared to be true of us. So that from then on, there's nothing we could ever do that would increase God's love for us more than he already loves us. And there's absolutely nothing we could do that could diminish God's love for us. Our identity and position in Christ is one perfectly loved. And the more we grow in that and rest in that, the more free we will be to be generous. But the gospel pipeline doesn't stop there. Again, the gospel pipeline shows progress. So we go from the gospel as the message of God's unconditional love in Christ. We move on to the message of grace as God's supernatural transforming power in Christ. In other words, as we grow in grace, as the blessing of Psalm 67.1 falls more fully upon us, we begin to say, God, I know that you love me just as I am, but I don't want to be as I am. I want to be changed. I don't merely want to be loved. I want to be loved into transformation. And we begin to understand that the second step of the gospel pipeline is God's message of grace as supernatural transforming power. And as we appropriate the power of the gospel, which the Gospel Waltz Life Group is all about, by the way, plug for that if you haven't been through that, we begin to be changed. But then as we grow in grace and the gospel pipeline, we realize, wait a minute. It's not merely about me experiencing personal life change. The gospel is about God equipping me and using me, blessing me, Abrahamic covenant, to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And so now I begin to have a vision for the nations. I'm growing in grace. But then the end of the gospel pipeline is, wait a minute, it's not even really about the nations. It's about the glory of God. And now what began at the beginning of the gospel pipeline, all about me, W-B-O-B, all Bob, all the time, 24 hours a day, now becomes W-G-O-D. It's all about God. It's all about his glory. And that's what happens through the gospel pipeline. We grow in grace. And we grow in our love for the nations. Look at verse 4. Look at God's heart for the nations. For you judge the peoples with equity. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how many of you think this had to do with God's wrath? It has nothing to do with God's wrath at all. You say, well, Bob, how can you be so confident? Because Hebrew poetry is written in parallelism. The second line always further reveals the meaning of the first line. So look at the first line of verse 4. For you judge the peoples with equity. Okay, what do you mean, God? Second line, and guide the nations upon the earth. God's not talking about wrath. He's talking about shepherding. 
God judges the nations with equity. In other words, God plays no favorites as far as nations. And Paul says that over and over and over and over. With God, there is no favoritism. And so what we see here is that God longs to bless not only us, but the nations. He judges the people. He shepherds the people with equity. Remember uh, another illustration we use here at Oak Mountains called the aircraft carrier? Were the HMS Oak Mountain, His Majesty's ship, the Oak Mountain, were a giant aircraft carrier. There's thousands of people on the ship. They all have different roles and functions. But the way we like to use the illustration is that we've all been spending our week living out gospel missions of love and service. And through the week, we get beat up and bloodied and bruised and broken. And we barely make it back to the deck, right? And the catapult catches us. We stumble out of our plane. But here on Sunday mornings, when we land on the aircraft carrier, we're refreshed and we're retooled and we're refueled. And then we're catapulted off again to fly other missions of gospel love and service. Now, some of those missions may be long-haul missions. They got refuelers up in the air. You can go all the way around the world. But not all of us on the aircraft carrier are called to long-haul missions. See, some actually catapult off of the HMS Oak Mountain, and they go to those nations. But the rest of us, we're still part of the mission on an aircraft carrier, there's launderers, there's postal workers, there's cooks, there's fuelers, there's nurses, there's doctors, there's dentists. There, there's anything imaginable on an aircraft carrier. It is a floating city. And that's what Oak Mountain is. And so we're all to be committed at some point to the service of those long-haul flights. And global generosity is one of the ways we do it. And then lastly and quickly, let provision call you to global generosity. Let worship, the worship of God, His glory, call you to global generosity. Let grace, growing in grace and being blessed, call you to global generosity. And the thirdly, let provision call you to global generosity. And here I want to talk about what is the blessing of verse 1. We're told very clearly. Look at verse 6. The earth, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. Going back to verse 1. What we see here is God promises the prosperity of his people. Didn't you know I believe in health, wealth, prosperity, theology? You've heard me preach it many, many times. No. How many times have I told you that's of the devil? Health, wealth, prosperity, theology is of Satan. To think that God is going to bless you so that you live a luxurious, comfortable life, it smells like smoke. It's from the pit of hell. But he clearly teaches if he can get us, get it through us, he will get it to us. There's no way around it in this, in this psalm. Oh, God, that you would be gracious to me, that you would bless me, that you would make your face shine on me. Why? Verse 2, that the nations may worship you, 
that the peoples may sing for joy. Oh, God, bless me. Verse 6, the earth has yielded its increase. They were agriculturalists. The crops have all prospered. Why? Not as an end in itself. Not the crops have prospered. I'm going to build bigger barns and life is going to be a party. No, that's health, wealth, prosperity junk. God promises to prosper the work of our hands, whatever that work may be, in order that. Verse 7, look at the very last verse. The ends of the earth will fear him, reverence him, love him, serve him. Now, look, that's not to say there won't be seasons where God has another lesson to teach us through the opposite of prosperity, through suffering and lack. And we learn deep dependence. Remember, we learn to depend upon others. But the general principle of Psalm 67 is that God longs to bless his people so that the nations could be reached. And this is where we get into faith promise. This is the faith part of the faith promise. Do you believe God will bless you? Not as an end in itself, not for you, but that the nations may be reached. Just like I said with grace, grace is for you, but it isn't about you. Provision is for you, but it's not ultimately about you. It's about the nations being reached. When it comes to to faith promise, there are several ways that people do it. Uh, I've done it in all kinds of ways. One is you, you pray to God and you ask God for an amount. You just listen. It's a little mystical. That's okay. That won't hurt us in this church. Trust me. Okay? And then, and then you, you say, okay, Lord, I'll give that, but I don't know where that's coming from. I don't have that. And then you see what God does. He may give you a refund you weren't expecting. I've seen people get an inheritance they didn't realize was promised them. I, I, I've seen people sell things that they didn't think they were going to sell or sold for a higher price or God just prospered them with a bonus or a business they never expected to work out so well. And they realize, you know, this you prospered me that the nations may be glad and sing for joy. And that's how they do faith promise. Now, Lori and I, how we do it now, since we've been doing it now for 32 years, we just have our bank withdraw uh, a 52nd of the amount. We have, we have money taken up for faith promise every single week. And it's like, okay, God, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been given. And uh, we'll make it work. We'll make it work by sacrificing, and we'll make it work, and we'll see you provide. And honestly, almost every single time, we've seen unexpected provision that took care of faith promise. Now, there's several ways you can turn in a faith promise. One is you received a card, if you're a member or a regular visitor this week, and that is just drop it in the offering plates as you leave this morning. That's pretty simple. You can drop it in the mail. And that way, so even during COVID, there's still ways we can turn on a faith promise 
commitment. Uh, you can use the app, Piece of Cake. If you go to our mobile app and you see the unchanging screen, it sort of looks like that, but it has unchanging on it. You click on that, it'll take you to a, a, a missions tab. There'll be a, a little uh, hand that says pledge, and it'll take you to the form for a faith promise. But there's also this really cool new way that we're doing it. And this is the easiest. And I know you all have your cameras with you because I hear them pop off every single week while I'm preaching. Right? So I know you got them. So you pull out your your phone, you get it in camera mode. And you aim the camera at this QR code. And when you do, a message will pop up at the top of your screen. And you tap that message, it'll take you right to a faith promise form. So I'm going to give you some time to do any or all of those things. Jason's going to come up and uh, play a little bit on the piano. Um, Probably the blessing because you like that so much. And uh, I I love giving you a hard time. And uh, and then I'll come up in a few moments and, and close the service. By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, if you point your camera at that and the thing doesn't pop up, um, there's, a, there's a little bit of a setting that needs to be adjusted. We're not going to get into that today, but we know this works, okay, because we've tested it. And if it doesn't work, there's a reason why. It's a little tiny reason, so don't worry about it. There's other ways you can get to the form. If you've not been able to decide today and fill out that form, uh, please go home and pray about it, and it's just as easy. You don't have to wait to turn in a card. You can just go to the app, go to the website, um, and the QR code is available as well, I believe, on the website. Let's all stand and hear the benediction. We're closing with it, but Psalm 67 begins with it. God says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. I will prosper you so that you can give for the nations that they might worship Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord